On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla is reportedly bringing back a Model 3 variant that we haven't seen in a few years. Monroe and Associates makes a huge observation about the Cybertruck. I got my hands on some Tesla Giga Beer from Europe and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey here with you for the palindromatic episode 404 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast for April 30th, 2023. Zelina, the future service dog, right at my feet. Daisy, the boxer, to my left on the couch. And it is going to be a fun week. It is. There is always something new and interesting to talk about in the world of Tesla. And in this, this week's case, there's something new and interesting to drink in the world of Tesla. Yes, I got my hands on some Giga Beer. A huge thanks to Jesper Tomo for bringing it all the way across the Atlantic and all the way across the United States so that I could try it out. He was here for a conference here in San Francisco by sheer coincidence. So he was kind enough to bring some over for me. And he, you know, he, he had to haul it here it's, you know, the box isn't huge, but it's still three 12-ounce glasses uh, or bottle glass bottles, I should say, of, of beer. So I am very grateful to him for bringing it over. And I thought, I, I told you, I promised you I would do a taste test and review on the podcast. So it's been in the fridge. I've taken the Giga Beer wrapper off. You can see a picture of what it looks like with and without the wrapper on my Instagram. And my Instagram handle is DMC underscore Ryan. And I've got it right here. I've got a bottle opener. So when you take the the uh, the black cap off the off the fancy bottle, there is a there is a regular just sealed cap. So I gotta I gotta take the cap off. So there it goes. And here we go. Let's uh, let's pour this thing. Let's give it a try. It's German beer. I am a fan of German beer in general, so it's going, I'm putting some in a glass, and let's let's see how this is. Hopefully this is going to be good. Oh, that's nice. That is very nice. It's got a nice, nice foam head on it, very light color. It's a light beer, you know, light German beer. That is really nice. I'm going to, I'm going to pour the rest of this into my beer glass and just sip it throughout the rest of the podcast. So... Yeah, I don't usually drink anything, even water, during the podcast. So uh, hopefully there will not be any gross, like, sippy noises. I'll, I'll make sure <laughs> that I'm not actually recording. I'll just pause it if I need to take a sip. But anyway, it's good. I enjoy it. So if you get a chance to get your hands on it, I, uh, I certainly recommend you do so. Thank you again to Jesper for bringing it all the way from Europe to San Francisco. All right. Uh, I hope everybody that's backing me at that $10 tier or higher on Patreon, I hope all of you enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which was about a little theory that I've been kicking around in my in my Tesla addicted brain, and that is why I think the 500 mile range Cybertruck might not, in fact, be the one that kicks off production this September. So if you're with me on Patreon, Check that out. I hope you enjoy it. And if you're not with me on Patreon, there are now 44, 
of those lightning round mini episodes, which you get immediate access to all of if you join me at that $10 tier or higher. Uh, the, the pledge tiers start at five bucks a month for that early access. That $10 tier gets you the early access and all of those lightning round mini episodes. You can find my Patreon page. You can learn more. Sign up if you're interested at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. As you know, uh, this podcast is free. It will always be free, but a lot of work, a lot of research, time, energy, love, and enthusiasm goes into it. So if you do at some point see fit to throw me some support, I would be eternally grateful for that. All right, let's jump right in to Tesla news this week. First up, the headline story for this episode, Tesla is reportedly bringing back the Model 3 long-range rear-wheel drive version of the car, but this time only for fleet customers. Of course, the Model 3 long-range rear-wheel drive was the first Model 3 produced, and it was part of Tesla's lineup until it was discontinued in 2019. I saw this on Drive Tesla Canada, so a tip of the cap to them, and their summary reads as such. According to a report by Fleet Europe, the long-range rear-wheel drive variant will only be available to fleet customers in Europe where company cars are more popular than in North America. It will come with a WLTP estimated range of 634 kilometers, that's 394 miles, again, on the WLTP scale, an increase over the 602 kilometers or 374 miles, again, on the WLTP scale over the all-wheel drive variant. With the single motor configuration, it will also be cheaper at the equivalent of 53,200 USD, that's a, it's 48,000 euros, compared to the all-wheel drive version, which is 51,000 euros, or about 56.6 in US dollars. That price will include remote fleet management through the mobile app, and all of Tesla's standard safety features like autopilot, automatic emergency braking, and lane departure avoidance. Fleet customers can reportedly already order the vehicle through Tesla's fleet website, and the Tesla for Business portal. It's unclear where this variant will be built, but it is likely that it will come from Giga Shanghai. I agree with Giga, uh, with, uh, with Giga Shanghai. I agree with Drive Tesla Canada there because Giga Shanghai, by Tesla's own admission, is the primary export hub. And uh, Drive Tesla Canada noting, while we have been unable to confirm this story with our sources at the time of publication, Tesla's senior operations coordinator, Mats Andresen, who was based in the Netherlands, linked the article on LinkedIn, giving it a tacit confirmation. So, first of all, I agree with the Drive Tesla Canada folks that a senior Tesla guy in Europe posting this on LinkedIn, pretty solid confirmation that this is real, which is certainly why I felt good about sharing it with you here. But anyway, if we're, if we're moving ahead as if it is real, this is first and foremost to me a clear sign that Tesla's production capacity is in great shape. It is full speed ahead. Because when Tesla was so supply constrained just a year ago, they would not have done this and they would not have been able to do this. Now, second, I imagine that when they feel like they've exhausted opportunities like this, 
they can always pull a new or rather old demand lever. And that being, of course, they could still reintroduce the long range dual motor variant on the design studio. It's been gone for many months now. I mean, I've said before and I'll say it again. I think that the long range dual motor will come back when the refreshed Project Highland Model 3 debuts sometime in the second half of this year, but Tesla certainly could reintroduce it sooner if they needed to. But back to this long range rear wheel drive coming back, but for European fleets. So 394 miles of WLTP range. So to just, if you're not familiar, the WLTP standard tends to go a little higher than the EPA. It's a little more, shall we say, generous in its estimates than the EPA. And so uh, 394 for WLTP, all right. So that's a 20 mile increase by the WLTP range over the dual motor. So I'm gonna guess this is probably around 360 something miles of range on the EPA scale. Now, we're not gonna get an EPA rating on this because this is only being sold to fleets in Europe for the time being. So that is, that's all I've got is that best guess 360 something miles of range on the EPA scale. Now, the original long range rear wheel drive was 334 miles of range, if, if my memory serves me correctly. And the dual motor version that has been unavailable for some months now was rated at about 350. So Tesla, since the rear wheel drive version went away, Tesla's made a number of efficiency improvements since that version was last offered. And really they've, they've made a lot of efficiency improvements. Things like revising the aero wheels, that's a little thing, but it, it matters. The octo valve, that's a little bit bigger of a thing. And maybe there's even been a new motor revision in that time that's more efficient. I don't know, but that very well could be the case. It's Tesla, they never stand still, they're always moving forward. But anyway, that's where my money is, that it's probably 360 something. That's us Americans can probably think of this as a 360 something mile range car. It should be mighty useful for fleets in Europe, absolutely. Uh, and Tesla, remember, they can always offer it to fleets here in the US as well if they decide to. In fact, I made this the subject of this week's Patreon poll, which again is found at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast every Tuesday night, usually. And the poll, uh, unlike the weekly lightning round bonus episode, the poll does not require you to be backing me on Patreon to vote in. Just go there. Uh, again, Tuesday nights is when those usually go up. And so this week's poll question, would you be interested in buying a Model 3 long range rear wheel drive if it came back? And the vote was pretty split between two of the four options. 47% of the respondents said, no, I'd rather have the dual motor long range back on the menu. 45% of you saying, yes, more range than the dual motor long range for a bit less money would be great. And then 4% each saying, uh, on the one hand, I think the current two choices of standard range and performance were great and then 4% voting other, 
with the opportunity to comment below. Justin Perez saying, like you've said before, Ryan, range is king. I assume these fleets are coming from Shanghai. Uh, once the long range returns here in the US, presuming Project Highland, I've got to wonder if either single motor or dual motor or both will then have a structural 4680 battery pack as well. I certainly think it probably will. Howard Anthony Smith with a solid point here saying, if it had the LFP battery chemistry, I would be interested. That, that would certainly, yeah, if it had 360 something miles of daily usable range, that would be pretty great. So thank you to all of you who voted in the Patreon poll and all of you who commented on that poll as well. All right, I had to pause the recording there for a second and continue drinking the Giga Beer. It's good, it is good. It is a refreshing light beer, which is, which is my kind of beer. All right, speaking of fleets, Tesla received a large order for Model 3s from an Emirati taxi company, Arabia Taxi Dubai, helping the company to cut its carbon footprint. This story comes via Tesla Rati, who writes, according to the announcement from Arabia Taxi Dubai, it will buy 269 Tesla Model 3s to become part of its taxi fleet in the United Arab Emirates. Currently, Arabia Taxi advertises itself as the largest taxi fleet in Dubai and one of the largest in the country. With this new purchase, it looks to double down on that lead. Besides growing the business, the company's owner, Sheikh Majid bin Hamad Al-Qasimi, hopes to achieve his environmental goals for the company faster than ever. Currently, Arabia Taxi aims to operate 100% quote, environmentally friendly vehicles, end quote, by 2027, a segment of vehicles that already accounts for 83% of the fleet. It should be noted that this includes mild hybrid and plug-in hybrid electric vehicles. The Sheik hopes to achieve 100% electrification soon after, potentially paired with hydrogen-fueled vehicles. Well, I have to admit, I got really excited when I first glanced at this story because I thought we were going to have another Hertz-sized deal on our hands here. I was like, in my head, I'm going, how many thousand cars is it? But, uh, you know, that's a kind of a high bar. When the bar is that high, 269 cars doesn't seem like that many, but I've only ever bought one car at a time, so 269 is actually a lot of cars. It's still, in fact, I did the math, assuming no discount on a $40,000 price and that they're buying base Model 3s, it is a $10 million order. And I would presume they are going to replace 269 gas-powered cars that do a lot of idling, that do a lot of short trips, which as all of you know, is what EVs are particularly good at. So yes, this is an awesome thing to see. I mean, we've seen the cab companies, some cab companies in New York City dip their toes in the water with electric cars and specifically with Teslas, but it's about time that we see more major cities around the world start making orders for Model 3s that are orders this size. And hey, if not the Model 3 that's available right now, the Gen 3 car for sure is going to get ordered by a lot of fleet companies around the world. Although, realistically, 
it's gonna take a while before Tesla can produce them at the scale that could allow a huge order like this to occur and be fulfilled in a timely fashion. But here's the thing. If we just zoom in, zoom in to now, instead of, you know, usually you hear me say, let's zoom out. Let's pull back. Let's, let's pull the camera back and take a, a, a top-down look here. But if we just get back to now, we don't worry about pulling the camera back. You can see things changing right now in real time. You know, you're seeing the Model 3 is all over the road, the Model Y is all over the road, the price is coming down. You're seeing fleets like this one start to purchase Teslas and other electric cars, Hertz, of course. And we're going to watch in real time that the Generation 3 Tesla is going to really, if the Model 3 is kind of inching progress forward on electrification, the Generation 3 car is going to shove that progress in, in a forward direction. Uh, and we it's just going to be awesome to watch this automotive history unfold right before our eyes. I mean, it's happening now. Again, we are watching it now, but it's going to accelerate here in the next few years. So enjoy it. You're here. You're listening to a Tesla podcast. You are part of that change. You, are, you have that front row seat to be uh, a part of, of the world changing for the better with the electrification of the worldwide automotive fleet. And it's a beautiful thing. Next up this week, Corey Steuben from, Mo- from Monroe and Associates, pardon me. That is, of course, Sandy Monroe's outfit. Sandy's been on here a couple times, including fairly recently. Well, Corey, who is uh, one of the key members of Sandy's team, was on Farzad Misbahi's podcast. And Corey, who you got to remember, Corey, just like Sandy, is a manufacturing expert who does teardowns of cars all day long with Sandy and the team. Corey went on Farzad's podcast and had quite the interesting observation about the Cybertruck after he examined those recent photos of the pilot production line of the Cybertruck that were included in last week's shareholder letter. I mentioned those. Well, Corey certainly took notice, and here's what he noticed about them. Take a listen to this. So this is not an exoskeleton. So everyone's like, oh, exoskeleton. If this was an exoskeleton, you would not see this traditional build style. So this is this is like a model, this is like a big old Model Y. Huge casting in the front, huge castings in the rear, it's a it's not a body on frame, it's body on white. And if if our viewers out there don't know what that means, uh body on frame is you have a ladder frame and then you put the body on top like a truck. And the way those are designed and the NBH characteristics are wildly different from a stiff uh singular body. So this will be more like a Honda Ridgeline, I know, and less like a F150 but this thing is huge. What's amazing to me is this is an evolution of the design philosophy of Tesla applied to a truck. Mm. You know, it'd be like if you took the model Y from Texas and say, let's make this thing a truck. Okay. Let's stretch it. Let's make the casting bigger in the front. Let's make it shaped like a weird triangle. Okay. And the only real wild card, like I said, is how you're attaching those 
large, thick stainless steel, most likely brake bent, you know, they're bent on like big brakes, not stamped. If there's any challenges, I think that's where the challenges will lie because stamping hoods, fenders, body side outers is like really well refined. That's how Toyota makes cars, Kia, Hyundai, Ford, everybody. That's how, that's how uh, Tesla makes cars. I stood in the stamping shop in Berlin and watched the panels come flying out. And I saw all the storage of the body side outers and inners and trunks and hoods and doors. This will be a huge departure with all these really hard, thick, straight stainless steel pieces. Um, and we'll have to see if there's fit and finish and quality issues in their early builds, because that's my biggest concern for the Cybertruck. Well, as expected, some excellent manufacturing analysis there from Corey. And we learned that it appears the Cybertruck is not an exoskeleton. So that must be a design change from what was originally intended, because of course we've been told over and over again that the Cybertruck was going to be an exoskeleton where all of its strength was on the outside. Now, that can and probably still will for all intents and purposes be the case because you're gonna have these thick, hard stainless steel panels on the outside of the truck. I would love to ask Franz about why this change was made. I suspect it probably has to do with the manufacturability of the vehicle. It's not that they couldn't build an exoskeleton vehicle, but I'm it be probably became either prohibitively expensive to do so, prohibitively difficult to do so, or this way combined with the thick stainless steel panels made just made more manufacturing financial sense. But hopefully we do get an answer about that at some point in time. If I ever get a chance to ask Franz or ask Elon, I certainly will do that and I expect there will be others looking to get that question answered as well. But how interesting that Corey basically likened it to a gigantic Model Y with a structural battery pack, 4680 battery cells, and some huge Giga castings. Well, we know that at the very least, the Model Y is a very safe vehicle that Tesla knows how to build in volume and at an affordable price both for themselves, they have industry-leading margins, and for the public. The price of the Model Y has been coming down for the public. So let's see how it goes with a sized up Cybertruck version of that. Again, from a manufacturing perspective. I expect we will hear more about this in September at the Cybertruck delivery event. Next up this week, Tesla released its annual impact report this one, of course, covering the year 2022. Just want to read you some highlights because the report is well over 100 pages long. There's a lot there if you want to dig into it. So check out Tesla's, Tesla's website uh, or specifically the link to it's on their Twitter page if you want to read the whole thing. But just a few, one, two, three, like a half a dozen quick little bites here for you. Last year, our customers avoided releasing about 13.4 million metric tons of carbon dioxide equivalent into our atmosphere. Now, I'll be honest with you here. I don't have any context for this, but it sounds like a lot. So I'll be curious what that number looks like in three years from now, in five years from now, 
in 10 years from now. Next up, Tesla vehicle emissions are significantly lower versus internal combustion engine vehicles. This will continue to improve as the grid gets cleaner while the carbon impact of ICE vehicles remains the same every year. This is such a great point. The grid getting cleaner is one of those things that the fudsters out there, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt merchants that seem to peddle in shorting Tesla stock and wanting to profit off of that, those folks never seem to take that little factoid into account. So if anybody in your life, now it's probably not going to be in any sort of mean way. Most people in real life, it's going to be in polite conversation. But if anybody ever does start in with you on the whole, well, aren't electric vehicles actually more polluting over time than internal combustion engine cars? You can politely counter with this fact as one of the reasons why that is not true. That certainly an ICE is is definitely more polluting over the life of the car than an inter- than an electric vehicle is. Next up, Tesla says after 17 years of driving, the average life of a vehicle in the U.S., a single Tesla will avoid almost 55 tons of carbon dioxide equivalent. Again, not a ton of context here. But that is a lot of carbon dioxide for one car to not put into the environment over its lifespan. And again, when you multiply that by thousands of cars, hundreds of thousands of cars, millions of cars, you start to really make a big difference. And you, again, you are all part of that difference right now. You are all making that improvement to the environment. You are part of the solution right now. Here's the next one. The supercharger network continues to be 100% renewable. This was achieved via on-site resources and annual renewable matching. So to me, this is the sneaky coolest news in this entire impact report. Because it means that the cars are being renewably powered even when they're on road trips. Not just at home where maybe you've got solar, but on road trips too. So to me, this factoid could be part of an ad campaign if and when Tesla ever decides to run one. You know, you could get a, a very deep-voiced announcer to, with a very gentle, polite, friendly demeanor to say, renewably powered at home, renewably powered on the road, Tesla. I mean, that's a fun tagline, right? Tesla, if you're listening, you can have that one for free. I will, I will allow you that one for free. All right, let's keep moving. There's two more that I want to talk about with you here. First up of those two, we also reduced water use in vehicle manufacturing by 15% year over year and currently use less water per vehicle than almost any internal combustion engine car maker. Well, I have to be totally honest with you guys, as I always try to be. Before going down this Tesla rabbit hole and doing this podcast for the past, well, almost eight years now, I honestly never even realized, I never knew that water was such a significant part of the automobile manufacturing process. Again, I'm not projecting that out onto anybody else. I'm just saying that's me. Maybe that's just, it's just my ignorance. But my point is that 
especially for those of us who live in drought-prone places. California, we just got out of a massive drought, and we only got out of it because of these insane torrential and, in, unfortunately, some cases dangerous giant rainstorms that we had all winter. But the point is, you know, I'm, I'm pretty drought aware just by virtue of living where I live. So hearing that Tesla is able to save water building their EVs, that is an important thing that matters, or at least it matters to me. So this made me very happy to read. And finally, the last little nugget I want to read to you from Tesla's annual impact report. Again, there's so much more if you want to go read the rest. Tesla says, we received 3.6 million job applications in 2022 and grew by 29,000 employees, which means, again, I just wanted to break this down a little bit to put, to give some context, to try to ground this, this huge number, right? 3.6 million, like, well, boy, they got a lot of job applications. Well, let's break that down a little bit. That means that Tesla averaged 300,000 job applications per month, or to break it down further, about 10,000 job applications a day. And that's seven days a week, by the way. That's not a five-day work week. That's seven days a week, 10,000 job applications a day on average. Also, by adding 29,000 employees last year on those 3.6 million applications means that on average, each for each job that they added, they had an average of 124 applicants per job. Boy, you talk about competition. And again, that's average. It's obviously some of them are less, some of them are way more, but that is just wild. Those are some wild numbers. Tesla is the place to be for so many people. So many people want to work there and understandably so. Uh, next up and finally this week in the world of Tesla news, before we get to the Ride the Lightning hotline where we'll get to your phone calls, Elon Musk met with South Korean President Yoon to discuss future Tesla investments. One more tip of the cap goes to Tesla Roddy for writing this one up. They said, it isn't the first time that Musk and President Yoon have discussed the possibility of a Tesla Gigafactory in South Korea. In November of 2022, President Yoon's executive office revealed that the pair talked about Tesla in a video call. However, South Korea's President Yoon doesn't seem phased by Tesla's Giga Mexico announcement. The president talked to Musk about what South Korea could offer for Tesla. He argued that South Korea was ideal for one of Tesla's gigafactories, adding that the country had cutting-edge industrial robots and highly skilled workers. President Yoon also offered support for Tesla's investment, including tax benefits. During last year's discussions, President Yoon was prepared to provide, quote, tailored support to companies wanting to invest in South Korea. Quote, if Tesla, SpaceX, or other companies are considering more investment in South Korea, including constructing a gigafactory, the government will do our best to support the investment. We are preparing a tailored approach to grant some advantages to these specified companies, end quote. Well, I'll tell you, that is quite the ringing endorsement of Tesla from the president of a country. And, and really, when you get down to it, 
any business, or in fact, any person really, any of us, we want to be wanted for our skills, for the things we bring to the table. So that had to feel good for both Elon and the Tesla executive team to have the president of South Korea saying, hey, we'd love to have you. We will do what we can to support you and get this Gigafactory. So the question is, will this lead to a Giga South Korea? Now, personally, I think the answer to that is yes. And it's simply a matter of when, not if. Will they be next? And by next now, I mean after Giga Mexico, or maybe they'll be a little further down the road. I honestly think it could go either way, but if I were a betting man, I would wager that the next car factory, because Tesla could announce another battery factory or another mega factory first, but I, yes, I would wager that the next car factory will in fact be in South Korea. I mean, it's, you've got a government that wants you, you're in a, it's a region that Tesla does need to get into. You heard on the earnings call last week, Elon said, hey, that's a great question about global markets. Yes, we need to get into more global markets. And that region, particularly, you know, Tesla will be producing a compact size generation three car coming up soon, which is certainly more of a global friendly car rather than something like say, the Cybertruck, which is enormous and really only fit for North American roads. So the Gen 3 car could be a good fit for a new Gigafactory in South Korea to sell within South Korea those vehicles as well as within that region. Now, I can see this happening and you've got these incredibly lofty production goals, right, of the Gen 3 car, which is another reason that I feel optimistic in saying that, yes, I do think this will happen sooner rather than later, because as we always need to remind ourselves, Tesla wants to build 20 million cars per year in the next decade and at the beginning of the next decade. And Tesla, if you think about, okay, well, they've got the Giga Mexico project going already. We all know that Tesla has built two Gigafactories simultaneously before The two of them have just finished their ramp-up process on the Model Ys that they were built to build, the machine that makes the machine. And certainly Tesla has the capital to get it done. They, They absolutely have plenty of cash on hand to build another Gigafactory at the same time as Giga Mexico, regardless of any tax breaks or other government incentives. So We'll have to keep an eye on this one in the coming months because Tesla's primary focus right now, yes, they're going to be breaking ground very shortly on Giga Mexico, but really, to me, as somebody who, who studies and watches this company on a daily basis, Tesla's primary focus right now, and if again, if you've been looking closely, you can see it, the primary focus is getting the Cybertruck to production. I mean, if you notice... Notice how nothing else major is really going on out there. Now, yes, Project Highland is going on behind the scenes. We're going to see that car sometime in the second half of the year. But Giga Texas, Giga Berlin, as I said, they're finishing their ramp-ups and just pumping out more Model Ys. Giga Shanghai is pumping out Model 3s and Model Ys at an, an incredible volume. 
And then you've got the Fremont factory that's just busy pumping out all four of the Teslas currently in production, the S, the X, the 3, and the Y. So the company's remaining bandwidth to me from an engineering perspective, from a manufacturing focus, seems to be on getting the Cybertruck done. And understandably so. So I wouldn't be surprised if we, in fact, don't get another Gigafactory announcement until after the Cybertruck deliveries start in September. Now, if we do get one beforehand, though, I'll bet it's really soon because I would I would think, okay, if it's going to be before the start of Cybertruck production, again, just an announcement, no actual necessarily, you know, breaking of ground, any, any real... Uh, real effort going into it yet. But if we do get an announcement, I'm going to bet that it's really soon, like really soon because the shareholder meeting's coming up, the annual shareholder meeting. And that would be the perfect place to say, and our next Gigafactory is in South Korea or wherever it's going to be. So we'll find out pretty soon because that shareholder meeting is coming up in just a few weeks as always. I will have the highlights, the analysis, the recap for you here on Ride the Lightning. But first, for this episode, stick with me. I'm going to come right back and get to your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline. So many great calls from you guys teed up and ready to go. Let's get to those right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. All right, I finished the Giga Beer. Here's my one big complaint about it. The really nice, fun, fancy glass bottle, it's not really reusable. So, you know, again, that the the black plastic cap comes off that's, you know, shaped to the bottle, and then there's as I said, there was a traditional just bottle cap underneath that you need a bottle opener to take off. And then if you just put the black plastic cap back on, it's, it doesn't go on tight. It doesn't seal. It doesn't secure. So if you want to use this, I mean, I guess you could put water in it, but just don't tip the thing over. It's just going to have to be, you know, just never tip it over if you want to reuse this. So that's, that's a little bit of a bummer. But otherwise, I enjoyed the Giga Beer, and I'm grateful to have a couple of more, uh, and I will enjoy those at some point later. But for now, it's time for the Ride the Lightning Hotline. If you've got a question, comment, or discussion topic for this podcast, you can call in and potentially be on the podcast. So the two easy ways to call in are to either use your smartphone's built-in pardon me, voice recording software. Please try to keep your question to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible. And then email that file to me at my podcast email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less call and actually just call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. You can do that anytime, day or night, 24 seven. It is a toll free call and the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's one 989 T-S-L-A. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake 
Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. First up this week is Judson in Claremont. Hey, Ryan, this is Judson in Claremont. Um, driving on the latest update, I really don't uh, do a good job of keeping up with versions or anything like that, but I uh, just noticed that the autopilot, I disengaged it, the car was pulling up to an intersection, um, or I guess I was on full self-driving, we were pulling up to an intersection, but I did not have a stop sign, the other traffic did, and the car was slowing down, and I just disengaged uh, FSD and kept going. I noticed I got a little pop-up that said, you know, autopilot was disengaged, why did you do this? Press the button, uh, right squirrel wheel button to do a recording, and I was actually able to uh, send a little voice memo and let them know why I disengaged autopilot. So uh, perhaps this is the next level of training where it's asking for feedback on uh, different things that happen. That seems pretty cool. Other thing I wanted to note, the last few updates, I keep hoping for a fix. Ever since Christmas, I cannot uh, add favorites to my radio. I can't add favorites or remove them, so I'm stuck with, like, six Christmas stations at the top of my favorites list that I would normally would have already gotten rid of, and I can't add any new music onto my favorites. Uh, this is a very easy fix. I don't know why it hasn't been addressed, and I haven't heard anybody talking about it, which seems a little strange. Surely I'm not the only one who's... Uh, radio is hung up uh, or their, their favorites are hung up. Um, thanks for all you do, man. I uh, just want to send these quick two notes. Hey, Judson. Well, yes, I have noticed that feedback message pop up myself when disengaging on the FSD beta. And for me, I disengage because as always, and there's a one spot I can repeat it, FSD still wants to turn right on red despite there being a big sign right in front of me that says no right on red. So I was testing to see if the latest version had addressed that. Sadly, we're not quite there yet. So when it started to go, I hit the brake, got that pop up. Hey, why'd you disengage? Well, in that instance, I didn't act in time to submit the voice feedback, but I know I can recreate that anytime I want to go back to it at least. But yes, I agree. I seem this seems to be the new way that Tesla is taking FSD beta feedback. And quite frankly, I love it. For me, it was a bummer when Tesla removed that snapshot feedback button back when the beta initially went wide is when they removed that. Now, as to your issue with favorites, and by the way, I encourage all of you to utilize that voice feedback option because it's just going to make the beta better in time. If Depending on how Tesla's parsing that stuff, the more feedback they have from things that the beta is doing wrong, well, the, the more quickly it's likely to lead to those things being corrected. Uh, anyway, as to your issue with favorites, if you're talking about Slacker, I have not experienced this and I listen to nothing but favorites radio. As, as the channel that, that I spend 100% of my time on. I mean, that's an oddly unique problem. And I mean, I imagine you've already tried rebooting the car. So good luck. I, I wish I could be more helpful on that one. Next up is Allison from Oregon. Hi, Ryan. This is Allison from Grants Pass, Oregon. My husband and I, along with our four kids, have been listening to Ride the Lightning since we purchased our first Tesla in 2018, and we really appreciate all of the tips and interesting information over the years. I am calling today because I recently took a road trip down to Los Angeles from Oregon, and I was excited to visit the huge Fireball Supercharger location, but was pretty disappointed when I arrived. The shades were great, um, there were tons of chargers, but the surrounding area was not at all what I was expecting. We had lunch at a local fast food restaurant, and the whole time we were there, the bathrooms were 
um, labeled closed for cleaning, but no one was actually cleaning them. The door was just locked. So after lunch, we just figured we'd use the outside restrooms near the chargers, but we encountered the same situation, a locked door with a sign that read, closed for cleaning. We visited a different local business, were willing to make another purchase in order to use their restrooms, but we found a line of eight people outside the restroom waiting to go in. So then we decided to drive 30 minutes to Sananella to find a restroom there and encountered the same thing, closed lobbies, closed restrooms. Uh, we also passed a public rest area that was closed. It was finally on our seventh try, we finally found a business with an open restroom, and I totally understand that there's staffing shortages and that 100 people charging their cars at Fireball at the same time could overwhelm a small area. However, my question is this, just about every gas station across the country has a bathroom for their customers to use, and I'm just wondering if Tesla has any plans to add restrooms for Tesla owners at some of the larger supercharger locations. I realize adding them at all of them is not practical, but maybe some of the big ones. Any information you could provide would be super Super helpful and thank you so much and just a PS the restrooms at the Tejon outlets were the best on our whole trip so 10 out of 10 highly recommend thanks again have a great week Allison thank you so much for your call and to your entire family by the way for being such loyal longtime listeners well you raise an interesting point as Tesla continues to build larger and larger supercharging stations facilities do become a legitimate concern I'd certainly love to see it happen because then Tesla not only would be providing staffed, clean bathrooms for their customers, but that, hey, you also get some additional jobs created as well. Now, realistically, I expect that Tesla probably hopes that other businesses are going to fill in that need. And I say that fully realizing that those other businesses totally failed you and your family on your trip. But as these bigger and bigger superchargers get built, I would hope and expect that other businesses are bound to pop up around them. I mean, after all, EVs are only getting more popular and more inevitable, right? So if you're a supercharger that's got 50 stalls or 100 stalls at it, which those are things that exist right now in California, I mean, that's anywhere from 100 people to 400 people that are going to be a captive audience in front of your place of business for a good, you know, probably half hour to 45 minutes, maybe 20 minutes on the low end while they're charging. So that means plenty of opportunities to spend money, particularly, as you noted, if those businesses would offer clean restroom facilities in exchange. I will say as a side note, the part of your story that broke my heart, I, w- I wish I could have been there to help to help uh, maybe point you in the right direction. I kept hoping that you said you were going to stop at Kettleman City because Kettleman City is the one supercharger on earth, at least I think it's still the only one, that has a private lounge just for Tesla owners that includes clean restrooms inside. The key code to the locked door comes up on your Tesla screen on the on the supercharger map location uh, when when you're getting close to it and you just punch in the code and you go in. There's some nice little desks if you need to work. There's a barista to get some coffee, cappuccino. There is, and there are clean restrooms there. Uh, hopefully, though, this is something because again, I think you've raised an excellent point here, especially as Tesla continues to grow. Hopefully this is something that the Tesla supercharger team is thinking about 
because you just lived through the unpleasant version of this. So thank you again, Allison, for taking the time to call in. Dennis from Minneapolis is up next. Hey, Ryan, this is Dennis from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, very new listener, and I really appreciate the podcast. I'm looking to get my first Tesla, and I had a question for you and your listeners. I'm looking at a 2016 Tesla Model S 90D that has free premium connectivity and free supercharging. When I test drove the car, I noticed that the screen had a, wasn't too bad, had a little lag, and I was wondering, if I upgraded it to MCU2, would I lose the free connectivity? And I know I get the free supercharging. That's going to be a no-brainer, but uh, that would be helpful information as I make my decision. Thanks for the, the podcast, and thanks for your answer. Dennis, welcome to the podcast, and good luck on your search for your first Tesla. While the question you raise is a good one, I am happy to confidently tell you that no, you will not lose your lifetime premium connectivity benefit if you upgrade to MCU2. My cousin Pat, who had an early 2013 Model S that he at some point upgraded to MCU2, did not ever have to pay for premium connectivity. So you should be golden there. And for what it's worth, by the way, I do definitely recommend the MCU2 upgrade. You will notice the improvement in touchscreen responsiveness every single time that you drive the car. Please do not hesitate to reach out if I can be of any further help to you as you continue your Tesla shopping. Thanks, Dennis. And next up is John from San Diego. Hi, Ryan. This is John from San Diego calling about your recent story about your wheel and tire experience. Let me just preface this call by saying that I'm probably one of the most anal individuals out there when it comes to babying a car. I have no dings or damage, and if I get wheel damage, I get the issue taken care of as soon as possible, as it bothers me to no end. I can't explain why this is with my cars only and not everything else in my life. As you know, forged custom or performance wheels can cost anywhere from $5,000 to $25,000. Some car enthusiasts spend a lot of money on wheels. Tesla performance cars, we have a Model 3 performance and a Model Y performance, have equally low profile tires and uber turbine wheels that extrude a little. It's super easy to damage these wheels. I am so anal now that I take a picture of each wheel and the car whenever I bring it in for service, regardless if it's Tesla or discount tire. As an example, I brought the car in to discount tire and sure enough they damaged the wheels. We have to remember that wheel mechanics are low paying jobs with minimal training. Most cars brought in have a ton of wheel damage and the mechanics probably don't immediately recognize a pristine car. In this case, I contacted Discount Tire and they sent a mobile wheel repair guy to my house. I suggest if the wheels are important to you to do something similar. I have been known to slip them an extra 20 or a four pack of beers from my son's brewery. The local Tesla Carlsbad service team loves it when I show up with a case of beer. It certainly can't hurt. By the way, my wheel repair guy charges me $75 per wheel. The reason is that my wife is a great driver, but not great at parking. Love your show and your super positive attitude. Thanks. John, thank you for your call, because honestly, it made me feel a bit better. 
And your timing couldn't be more appropriate because I forgot to mention on last week's show that when I got my front upper control arms replaced by Tesla, what did I notice afterwards? Some wheel damage from where they took the wheels on and off. I promise I'm not trying to I'm not trying to start anything. I just I I'm very meticulous with my car like you and I know exactly what condition those wheels were in when I dropped it off and I saw what they looked like when I picked them up. Like the, with discount tire, it was minor, but I can see it and it wasn't there before so it's frustrating. And yeah, with Tesla, kind of the same thing. It's nothing major, but yeah, it just kind of bums me out a little bit. I will probably try to do as you do and get them repaired as soon as possible. Maybe next month, I don't know, because honestly, after our recent family vacation, my wallet's a little light right now. But anyway, I'm going to take your advice for the future and take pictures of all four wheels before anyone does any service related to the wheels. Thank you so much, John. One more call this week. It's from Chris in Massachusetts responding to Kenny's seat issue with easy entry. Go ahead, Chris. Hey, Ryan, this is Chris from Massachusetts calling in response to Kenny's message about how he's having trouble getting his seat to go back to the program position that he has it in uh, when he normally gets in his car and it won't go all the way there. I had this exact same problem and I don't know for sure, but I'm I'm almost certain that the issue was that I was, you know, using my body to physically push against the the motors that are trying to get the seat into the position. And I, I've tested this out a bunch of times. And basically, if I just don't fight the motors, like if I lift my back up so that when my back is coming up into position, position, it you know it does it's not fighting against my body. It lands in the correct position every single time. So I don't know if this is like a safety thing where they don't want the motors crushing the occupant or something like that. And so if it feels a bunch of resistance, it stops moving, or or what it might be. But I found that was my issue. Um, anyway, uh, hope all is well. Thanks, Ryan. Bye. Chris, thank you for passing along that suggestion to Kenny and to anybody else who either is, has been, or will be bothered by this. It's worth a try. Sometimes we don't even realize that we might be moving in a way that the car doesn't like, right? Kenny, if you're out there, and I know you are, give this a try. Let me know if it helps. Thanks, Chris. Thanks to everybody who kindly took the time to call in and be a part of the podcast. Again, if you'd like to call in and possibly be featured here in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, you can dial in anytime I gave you the two call-in methods at the top of this segment. But the podcast isn't over yet. Stick around. I'll be right back with your pro tip of the week and more right after this. Well, as for what's going on with me, I had hoped to wash my car this weekend, but there's strangely rain in the forecast for next week. We'll see how that materializes over the course of the weekend. Maybe I'll still get a chance to get the car clean. Otherwise, I'm kind of living and dying with my Phoenix Suns right now. They are uh, about to start the second round of the playoffs against the heavily favored Denver Nuggets, who's the number one seed in the West. So we'll see how it goes. Suns have a have a, a heck of a lot of talent, but it's been fun so far. We'll see how it goes. But yes, in in the world of Tesla, it is uh, thunderstorms looming, and hopefully I will get a chance to get my car clean once again. Anyway, how about an entertainment recommendation for you? 
I have mentioned this show before. It is back. I will mention it one final time because this is its final season. Bill Hader's dark comedy, Barry. It's on HBO. It is an absolutely phenomenal show. I think it's one of the best shows on TV. Probably one of the best shows of the last, I don't know, five, ten years maybe. Do start from the beginning. If you're interested, if you're like, okay, Ryan, you've mentioned it before. I'll give it a try. Don't try to just jump into the new season. Go back. Start at season one. All right. Pro tip of the week time. Omar from L.A. Hey, Ryan. This is Omar from Los Angeles. I just wanted to share a tip with your viewers regarding Tesla service appointments. If anyone needs an earlier appointment, it's a good idea to check the Tesla app daily. Simply go to the appointments section, click on reschedule and browse through the available dates and time slots. Often you'll find an earlier date if someone cancels or if the Tesla team adds new slots. Additionally, I thought it's worth mentioning a rare issue that doesn't happen often anymore. I recall a service member and Elon Musk himself discussing this on a podcast, though I can't remember which one. If your car screen isn't responsive or doesn't wake up, the vehicle is still programmed to be put into gear and driven, even with the screen off. This feature is meant for emergency situations only. Thanks, Ryan. And thanks for what you do and thanks for the podcast. Omar, that's a great suggestion about a service appointment. I wish I had heard that one before my last appointment to get my upper control arms replaced. I ended up having to book it pretty far out, and it was kind of embarrassing driving around a car with a very loud, creaky front end while I had to wait. Uh, and yes, it's always good to remember that the car can indeed drive if the, even if the screen does not work. Thank you so much for your call. If anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, I welcome and invite you to do so. You can send those calls in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning Hotline calls, the instructions for which I gave you earlier in the podcast. Okay, before I go, let me mention some friends of Ride the Lightning that can perhaps hopefully be of use to you. Starting with AbstractOcean.com, makers of so many great Tesla accessories. There's the discount code for uh, first-time customers there. I'm just going to pop over to Abstract Ocean, see what's going on. Let's take a look at, say, Model Y. Let's see here. We got center, what do we got? Uh, folding MagSafe phone mount. Nice. For those of you that, well, you know, some like in California here, it's legal to have the phone up, but you can only like touch it once or swipe it. Like you can't actually be holding it in your hand using it. So that's useful. A hidden armrest storage compartment, a cup holder insert and card holder. That's pretty cool. You've got what else here? Automatic phone dash mount, similar to what I was just talking about. Let's see here. Protective armrest cover in different colors. That's nice. Just all kinds of stuff. Sunglasses holder, etc., etc., etc. Check them out. AbstractOcean.com. Click on whichever Tesla you have. You'll see which products there are available and pile in whatever you like into your shopping cart. And when you get to that checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. That code again, RTL podcast, all one word, no spaces. The snap plate is available for all four Teslas that are currently in production. You can get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. This is the front license plate mounting bracket that I recommend over the one that Tesla gives you because the snap plate is a nice, clean, minimalist design. It does not use any automotive tape, any automotive adhesive. So if you want to take it off, maybe for a car show, maybe you're detailing the car 
it'll just come off like it was never there. Unlike the Tesla one, which once it's on, if you take it off, it's going to be a very messy situation left behind with the uh, residue of that automotive adhesive. So get your snap plate at everyamp.com slash RTL. Budgetsafesolar.com. If you need a battery to go with your solar system, if you just need a battery, whatever your uh, solar desires are and energy storage needs, Budget Safe Solar can help you out. Go to budgetsafesolar.com. Sure, you're going to check out Tesla Solar. I did. But if, like me, Tesla Solar doesn't work out for you for whatever reason, budgetsafesolar.com. I can definitely recommend them. I had a really good experience. And now uh, I'm just... I'm watching, I'm watching the power just flow in. I told them I wanted the mo- the highest octane system I could possibly get on my small, narrow San Francisco roof. And they gave me exactly what I wanted. I've got an eight kilowatt system on my tiny little roof. Let's see today. What do we got? 20, 37.8 kilowatt hours today, which was more than yesterday, more than the day before. In fact, I think that's the most, yeah, that is the most ever so far. Now that's going to keep going because we're only in April. We're going to get towards May, June. It's going to keep going up. It's great. And uh, so far, I've been keeping a close eye on my utility bill. Uh, PG&E is my utility provider. And my natural gas usage, the, the cost of that is being completely offset, in fact, even by a little more, by my uh, the the power that I'm generating for my solar and feeding back into the grid. So currently my bill for this month, the billing period's not quite over, although it will be in just a few days, it's almost over, is is negative. I they owe me money, which is great. That's so I'm I'm very happy with my budget safe solar system. Check them out, budgetsafesolar.com. If you do proceed with an installation, please use the referral code RTL. Uh, Immaculate Reflections. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, treat your car to a spa day as as you deserve, as it deserves. Immaculate reflections, whether you want to do paint correction to get your paint finish looking as good as it possibly can. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on the front of the car or the key areas of the car or even all of the car. They can do that. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Maybe you want to do two of those. Maybe you want to do all of it. Just go all out, whole nine yards. Immaculate Reflections can help. The website is irdetailing.com. Go there. That's how you can reach out to Jeff, the gentleman that runs the shop. You can reach out to him through there. And when you do that, if you book in work, just mention as you're doing the booking, say, oh, by the way, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener. May I please have the Ride the Lightning discount? And Jeff will kindly give that to you. Thank you to Jeff for continuing to offer that to my listeners. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. It's a micro SD based solution. So it is built for the long haul. I have one of these in my car. I am very happy with it. Get yours at PureTesla.com slash RTL. $49 shipped free anywhere in the U.S., 
will get you the 128 gigabyte kit, which is what I've got. If you wanna step up and go to the 256 gigabyte though, you can do that and that'll cost you $69. Again, shipped free anywhere in the US. They will ship anywhere worldwide, but there will be a, a moderate shipping fee on any international shipping that needs to happen. They also sell a nice wireless game controller kit. If you do a lot of gaming in your Tesla on the many games that are available in the car, so all of that, the video game controllers, the dash cam and sentry mode kits can be had at puretesla.com slash RTL. I mentioned my Patreon at the top of the podcast, but just real quick again, that is the way that uh, this podcast is listener supported. It is free. It will always be free. But if at some point you see it in your heart to, uh, to join me on Patreon, support my efforts, I would genuinely, sincerely appreciate it. Those support tiers start, again, at just five bucks a month, and in return, you'll not only be supporting me, but you will get early access to each week's show. The $10 a month tier, that's the most popular tier. You'll get the early access each week and the entire back catalog and every lightning round mini episode to come as long as you are pledging at that tier. So find all of that information and you can sign up at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Follow slash subscribe to this podcast on any of your favorite podcast services. Most of you seem to use Apple podcasts, but I'm also on Google podcasts, on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and then audio only I'm on YouTube. If that's convenient for you, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube. You'll find my channel and can subscribe easily there. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. My social media handles, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same handle on both if you're interested in following me on either, DMC underscore Ryan. My Twitter is a lot of video game stuff for my day job, some Tesla stuff thrown in as well. My Instagram is basically all Tesla all the time, so... Uh, just so you're properly warned either way. <laughs> Check those out if you're on those social media networks. And with that, I want to say now hello and thank you to the upper tier Patreon backers who, as part of their benefits, they get that early access, they get that weekly lightning round bonus mini episode, and all of these people get the invite to the monthly group Patreon Zoom Hangout. Actually, I got to get the invites out for that because next week we got to do it. May 6th, Saturday, May 6th will be the what will be what I aim for on that. So I need to do that. Maybe I'll try and get that done right after I finish recording, editing, and uploading this podcast. And then finally, those upper tier Patreon backers also get their name shouted out here at the end of the show each and every week. And so I will do that now. Thank you so much to the Maximum Plaid backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Ebersole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nessel wrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, 
Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoie, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, and Travis Krenzel. And then the Roadster in Space tier backers, thank you very much, to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Ayacavetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, and Robert from near Philly. Finally, the Plaid level supporters, these very generous folks, continue to be grandfathered in as they continue to support me at the Plaid tier that's since been retired. Thank you very much to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, The Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, The Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Ish, Not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and The Bear Boys of Colorado. Thank you all so much for supporting me on Patreon, regardless of what tier your pledges make a huge difference in my life, my family's life, and I do sincerely appreciate it. And with that, it is time to wrap it up here on the Palindrome. 404 reads the same way front and, front and back, but uh, 404, of course, probably more famous as a, as a page not found error on the internet. So hopefully you have found this podcast, this, this episode. If you're hearing this, you obviously did, and you listened to the whole thing. So bonus thank you for that. Uh, I want to say thank you one more time to Jesper Tomo, a Patreon backer from Europe again, for bringing me the Giga Beer. I enjoyed it. That was good stuff. Um, again, it's so I would say just to now that it's I'm I've been done with it for a while here. I'll say yeah. So it's, it's a very light beer. It's very easily drinkable. Pretty smooth. Not very bittery. Not very bitter. Uh, which I like. I like that it's not bitter. It's a very kind of easy, easy drinking beer. Very good stuff. Again, only a little bum that the bottle isn't really reusable. I was, I was just showing my wife uh, the empty bottle at, when I took a pause uh, between segments, and and she was bummed too. She was like, "Oh, really? That's kind of a bummer." And then I said, "Well, we could maybe maybe we could use it for like olive oil." And she was like, "Yeah, that that could work. Maybe just you know because it's." Generally, you're not going to tip that bottle over. It's always just going to be stood up and in a cabinet when it's not in use. So we'll see. Hopefully, I'll find some good use for it. But uh, I was very grateful for the opportunity to try the Giga Beer since it is not sold here in the U.S. All right. That will wrap it up for episode 404 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer and... Oh, she's not even in here anymore. Some Somewhere is Zelina the Future Service Dog. Thank you all so much for listening. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week.
I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.